Terry in the backfield. He gets the handoff. Tries the left side to the five. What is going on? What is going on? Welcome back for another segment of the Bills Yak Podcast. I'm your host, JT. I got my co-host in the building with me, James Mallory, the NFL pedigrees like to call him. James, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Let's get it, y'all. Let's get it, man. We got a good segment for y'all, man. So let's get after it, JT. Now, I don't know if you guys recall us doing a um, re- doing a segment, um, recall us doing a segment Earlier this year, one of our first segments, we started this podcast called The Diggs Effect. And what we thought Stephon Diggs would bring to this Bills offense, what he would do with this Bills offense, and how the, the Bills offense improved. Now, I think that we can all agree that the offense is much improved, much improved. It has had a huge effect on Josh Allen as he's, I think he's like sixth or seventh in passing yards in the league, maybe higher than that. Um, he's had a couple 300-yards games. He had a one, a one 400-yard game. And he was the MVP candidate. Not going to take him completely out of the race for the first quarter of the season, we'll call it. Diggs, Diggs, Diggs has had a major effect. Today we got to break down the effect from his effect on Beasley to John Brown to on the running game. That seems to me maybe be taking shape now. And most importantly, Josh Allen and how Brian Dable has used him. So, so with much ado, James, the Diggs effect. What have you thought that Stephon Diggs has brought to his offense? At least most, what's the most important thing that he has brought to his offense so far this season, we'll say? Well, I think what he's brought is uh, consistency. Somebody that, that we can rely on consistently. Not that John Brown and Cole Beasley wasn't that last year, but they're not that, that it factor. You know, I mean, they can be a second or third it factor, uh, if, you know, you allow me to say that. But – I mean, he just he brings that attitude. He brings that 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 swag that really nobody really has his personality like that in a wide receiver room. He they're more laid back kind of, you know. Let's work hard, guys, and get after it. Diggs is going to do that, but plus he's going to bring that that extra style, that extra swag, that that attitude to the field. And he's just so reliable, man. That you can just see how important it is to have a number one receiver. And oh my God, he was so worth the first round pick. It's not even funny. Right. I mean, you know, I've actually heard some clamoring on a uh, social media a little bit because uh, they compare Justin Jefferson's numbers to Diggs. No, I'm wrong. Diggs, I think, is third receiving yards in the NFL currently. And, yeah, I get it. You know, Justin Jefferson's put up these numbers, but that team is also losing. They're, they're absolutely awful. You know, and I'm not worried about what Justin Jefferson is doing. I'm worried about what Stephon Diggs has brought to Buffalo and what he has brought to Buffalo as you to piggyback off of you is a true number one receiver, and it has opened up a lot for Beasley. Obviously, it hasn't opened up a lot for Brown yet because, obviously, Brown's been battling injuries since for the better part of the season. But even when Brown was healthy in those first couple of weeks, it opened up for him as well. Yep. And, uh, you know, I thought it would open up for Dawson Knox a little bit more. Obviously, Dawson Knox, again, has been battling injury as much of the NFL as a whole hasn't bad injuries through this uh, pandemic riddled off. But not to cut you off, JT, he's back this week. I think Dawson Knox could be a sleeper, but that's another story. I think he's going to benefit from Diggs this week. No, definitely, he, he really could be. Um, like I said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, writing him off quite yet, as far as uh, being a and making a huge impact on this offense. 
you know, I kind of figured the tight end position would get a little lost in his offense. And I think you would anticipate that too as well with those, yeah. those many receivers and those many good receivers we, as we even seen Gabe Davis eat this year. And yep. uh, being able to see all those guys eat, I think a lot of those are eating off the plate provided by Stefan Diggs. Now, I don't want to give him all the credit, but you have to count for him at all times. Yeah. I mean, if you don't, he'll kill you. Uh, as you see, he torched Miami. Um, when they didn't account for him the right way. And then now everybody's talking about Miami has this great defense. Um, but let's not forget, Stephon Diggs had a day on them. So, I mean, the effect of Stephon Diggs. And even, you know, as we go on through the season, people for, tend to forget. I don't know why everybody's acting like this is week 13, 14. Willie, what, eight, nine, eight games into the season. We're going into week nine. So, I mean, once everybody really get, in, get to know each other, let's not forget, no OTAs. No mini camp. And the training camp was very different. So once everybody gets gets flowing, the running game gets going, and they get a feed off Stefan Diggs, I think we'll be just fine. But this Stefan Diggs effect, I'm loving it, man. He is a baller. He is a baller. He's not afraid to make the tough catches and take the big hit either. I like it. No prima donna there. What has he done for Brian Dable? Because obviously we can kind of call and kind of say that Brian Dable was an embattled officer coordinator um, last season here. Uh, a lot of people was calling for his head. A lot of people were uh, – I've won a few people that, too, had him on on a short leash going to this season, in my opinion. What has he done for his play caller? How has he opened him up, and how has he made him better as a play caller? When you know you have a guy that's going to win, he's just going to flat out be this guy, and you don't have to really design things, you know, trickery and things like that to, to help him get open, where you can literally just call a play and you know he's going to win. That changes everything. Now, if you have a guy where it's like, oh, I don't, I'm not sure if this guy can win or in this situation, it, I mean, it changes your, your mindset as a play caller. So when you know you got a guy who's going to win, who's going to make that big catch and you can rely on, I mean, that changes everything. You can, he, calls, he can call plays a lot more confident and, and just be himself. So I like what you, Dable's doing. Do you think we're seeing the real Brian Dable? Because obviously we're through, we're through eight games now. And uh, we're six and two. The offense has looked tremendously better than it has last year. I think we're actually ranked um, number four offense in the NFL at this current moment. Is this the true Brian Dable, or should we chalk this up to Stefan Diggs, maybe the development of Josh Allen? And I guess the, the piggyback off that question being to make a second part, it's a second part of the question, is how much has Brian, how much has Stefan Diggs speeded up Josh Allen's maturation process? Oof. Uh, first question, will we see another day? But I think it's a little bit all of it. Obviously, Josh, uh, his development has helped him as a play caller where, you know, he makes the right reads, the right throws. Stephon Diggs has helped out, um, obviously, with him just being a baller. He's a flat-out baller. He's one of the top wide receivers in the NFL. Anybody that says he's not need to be drug-tested immediately. <laughs> uh, not marijuana. Hard drugs. They need to be tested <laughs> immediately. Um, so, you know, that and then, I mean, Dable, I think I think he's a brilliant mind. Uh, I think he, he does have a really good football mind. I love you know, when everybody was saying Duke Williams should make the team over Isaiah McKenzie. I thought they were crazy because there's so many different things you can do with McKenzie. Uh, and I think, you know, him, the way he used McKenzie is just he does, doing a lot of creative things. And I love it. I love it. Um, so, that's uh, 
that I think that's a little bit of so that's the answer to your question. I think it's a sprinkle a little bit of everything. I think Dable's gonna be gone after this year. Somebody's gonna give him a shot to be a head coach. And I think Ken Dorsey's gonna be our offensive coordinator next year. That's another story for another day. But um like what was the second question? I'm sorry, I got a little the second part away, was, got excited. Uh, how how <laughs> the second part was how much has he speeded up the maturation process of Josh Allen going to the season? Stefan Diggs, that is. Stefan Diggs says, Oh my goodness. That's you know a lot of the young quarterbacks have um, that's that that safety blanket which would be the tight end. Um, now Stephon Diggs is that for Josh where he can rely on him to make the big play on third down where you know hey if the throw might be a little off but he's going to get it he's going to get the contested throws he's going to win those fifty fifty balls for us so I think he's helped Josh Josh have, uh, Allen's confidence and I think that obviously has helped him overall as a quarterback. You know, it seems to me that, you know, they feed off each other a lot as well. Um, you see them going at each other in the games. Not, not in a negative way, but hyping each other up, getting each other ready. It, it seems like they've been like that since the offseason. You see them together before pregames, doing their little handshakes, the dances. You see them trying to get each other going during the game. Um, we talked about in earlier segments about the competitiveness of Josh Allen and how he's not your – normal quarterback with his competitiveness if we were if we want to if we want to say that and Stefan Diggs is is an ultra competitor too and actually on the podcast with Alexander he called them both alpha males yep absolutely um, that's that's accurate and uh you know how important is to have a quarterback and a receiver that are both alpha males dominating together if you know. <sighs> See, it could be a good or a bad thing. It depends on the two people. These two, obviously, they want to coexist. They're fine with, with giving the other alpha his room to do his thing. Some alphas want to be the only alpha in the room or only alpha on offense. And those two, they put the ego aside and they just want to win. Uh, so I think, think it's very important to have guys that's on the same page. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if those guys are on the same page, it'll work. Now, if they weren't on the same page, then we have a problem. So, you know, I, I think it, I, for me, I think it's very important. I don't want too many passive guys on my team. Right. No, not too many betas on my team. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I thought that Buffalo had way too many betas for the last couple of years. And I think now, you know, you're adding Stefan Dix and alpha. Josh Allen is definitely an alpha. And I think, you know, people like John Feliciano, um, Obviously, adding Josh Norman, I don't want to get too far off topic here. You know, they added both alphas on both sides to the ball. And I think that's definitely has helped. But, you know, my thing on Stefan Diggs is this. Is I know we questioned before the season was, is Steph, where does Stefan Diggs rank in the top tier for receivers in the NFL? And I would say before the season began, the day that the Bills made a trade for Diggs, I think most people would say top 10, maybe some, maybe some fringe top 10. Hmm. Um. Maybe in that high is maybe top seven. But I think coming to Buffalo, being a number one without Thielen, without Kyle Rudolph, without uh, Kirk Cousins, who don't look too good without him now. Oh, my uh, goodness. Uh, I think we can definitively say he's definitely top five. Um, there's nothing he can do. You can, he can go deep. He can go short. He can go middle. He can get yak. He can turn uh, short plays into big plays. You know, he can make contested catches, you say. You know, he can be yep. double teams. He can be brackets. I don't think there's anything on a football field that Stephon Diggs cannot do. And I honestly would argue, could he be the most complete receiver in the NFL? Yeah. 
That's a, that's a, I mean, that's a, that's an argument to be had. I mean, with me, how I judge the best wide receiver in the league, JT is different than some other people, man. When I look at it, I look at the catcher, route running ability, making contested catches, catches over the middle, being able to block. How effective are you when the ball is not coming to you and, and not in your hands? Are you still effective? Are you still a very important piece of the offense when the ball is not in your hands? Are you helping the offense when the ball is not in your hands? Stephon Diggs, absolutely. He's still effective when the ball is not in his hands. So that makes him – some guys who are very great, good receivers, they're great when the ball is coming their way. But then when the ball is not coming their way, it's just blah. You know, they, they may not block them that much. Or if it's not coming to them, they run in the route office. They're not running it the way they're supposed to. It's a lot of factors that the regular fan don't look at. They look at, oh, this person makes spectacular catches and he scores touchdowns. Yeah, that's important, but this guy don't block. Or this guy is not willing to make the catch over the middle. Those other factors are very, very important. People just kind of – some people, not all. Some people just tend to overlook. And I look at that when I'm looking at the top wide receivers. How about you, JT? What you feel about it? You know, I'm, I'm not going to call him the most complete. I'm going I'm to say he's in the top three, top four of most complete receivers in the league because Julio Jones is still in his league, and he's still produced at a very high level. And we've seen Julio uh, damn near kill some people on blocks and yeah. on interceptions. So, that is true. Uh, you know, I think Julio is still top dog in this league. Um, I think he's just stuck in the purgatory of what is Atlanta at this point in time. But, you know, when you look at these numbers with Diggs, okay, you know, I, I was on record for saying that I didn't know how many targets he would get this season. And the reason I was kind of worried because obviously I thought defenses would bracket him, thought they may have trouble getting the ball. But I mean, so far through eight games, he has 79 targets. Um, he's on pace for a, about 160, 100, 100, between 150, 160 targets on the season, which his highest targeted season was 2018 in Minnesota, 149. He's on pace for about 1,386 yards. Okay, if he gets that, he will break the Bills single season, Eric Moe's Bills single season record for uh, yards in a season. He's on pace for 108 receptions. I, I don't know what the Bills record is for receptions in a season. I'll have to look that one up. I'm pretty sure it's probably close, probably Andre Reed. And actually, I can I think I remember a season that La- the fullback Larry Centers, that's the name from the past, had like 90. Yeah, oh my goodness. He, he's, <laughs> he averaged 80, 90 catches. <laughs> right. So I think there was a season that we, we were horrible and we just checked the ball down all season. I think he had like 80 and 90 catches. So I'm going to have to check and see who's the leading reception uh, leader in the history of the Bills. But he's on pace to beat Eric Moore record. I mean, and he's on pace for to have about six touchdowns, which you would like to see those touchdown numbers uh, a little bit higher. But obviously when we know when we get inside the 10-yard line, a lot of times that's Josh Allen time. Yep. So the touchdowns not going to be there. But, I mean, even at that, he's averaging 86.9 yards a game. His catch percentage is amazing, 68.4, which has been very consistent with his career because his career number is 68.4 catch percentage. And people don't look at that stat, that specific stat a lot, the catch percentage, because you see these numbers, you see a guy have 1,300 yards, he got 100 receptions, but then again, he was targeted like 200 times and his catch percentage is like 50%. People yep. don't look at that stat enough. I mean, this may very well be the greatest receiving season in the history of the Buffalo Bills. And we have had some good receivers in, in history here in Buffalo. Absolutely. You know, one, people, one person people uh, tend to forget about who has some, a couple great seasons here with a lot of catches, Peerless Price. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I want, that's one guy I don't forget about. I talk about Peerless all the time. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I thought Peerless could have had a great career here in Buffalo. And it's funny because when you think about Stefan Diggs in the Bills uniform, I'm happy that you mentioned Peerless Price because this is who Stefan Diggs reminds me a lot of in a Bills uniform. It's Peerless Price. Yeah. Yeah. I I think he's more willing to go over the middle. He'll he'll take the he'll take a lot more hits than Peerless, but they do they do have some similarities. I right. I totally agree with you, JT. You you on to something there. You're right. talking that talk right now, JT. Well, well, yeah, I mean, like, th- think about it. Peerless Price had the 80-catch, 1,200-yard year when he got snuck from the Pro Bowl. And I think we ended up trading him to Atlanta because Tom Donahoe wanted to be cheap. And this is something I've actually talked to Peerless about personally. Um, and we got a first-round pick for him, too. Yeah, I think we turned it into uh, – it was either McGahee or it was – either I don't know if it was McGahee or Eric Flowers. Can't remember. I want to say it may, it may have it may have been Willis McGahey. We turned that twenty third pick in. You really want to turn my day bad by mentioning Eric Flowers? It really? <laughs> I don't want to turn your day bad. I'm just trying to remember who he got the pick for. I think I, I think it may have been him. I'm not sure. I have to go back and research that. Um, and it was either McGahey or Flowers. But yeah, man. I mean, Stefan Diggs is is as I I can't even say he's is as good as advertised to me at this part from what I'm seeing he's better he's a better than advertised he's a lot better than advertised. We it looks like a steal for us right now. Uh, we got him for a first round pick and when he, I mean honestly let's be real if we got him for a first round pick and he came here and had let's just say eight uh, eight hundred to a thousand yards this year he's gonna crush it, crush that obviously he's almost there now. Let's say he would have came and had eight hundred to 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns this year and next year, I don't think nobody would have really been mad. I mean, obviously, he would have opened up things for other people. They would have talked a little stuff, but it wouldn't have been like a, a bust. But now he's blown the doors off of that. So we got a steal in that trade, absolute steal. No, I think we did. I mean, no more wrong. I'm not knocking Minnesota. I'm not going to say Minnesota lost his trade because Justin Jefferson is looking just as good. Not as good as Stephon Dix, but he's not far behind him in yardage. I think he's in top seven of yardage as a rookie. Um, but obviously, you don't want to lose a player to caliber of Stephon Dix. But if you do, you know, to, to replace him immediately is, is great, for, for, great for Minnesota. Uh, but it was even better for Buffalo because, I mean, he brought a lot more intangibles to Buffalo than a rookie could have brought. Yep. We weren't looking for that. I mean – when I when I look at the trade, I mean it's too early to call it JT. Justin Jefferson is a beast. But when you playing behind from behind and you lose it, it's a lot more opportunity there too. And it's the defenses play you a lot different when they up by twenty, you know, instead of you know it being a tight game. So it, not saying he's not good. Please, some people are. Oh, he's no, I'm not saying he's not good. He's a good football player. But it's a lot different when you're playing from behind, and also. When I look at how we uh, we won it, which a lot of people keep saying, Gabe Davis would have been a first-round pick if he wouldn't have came out early. So we kind of got a first-round pick with Gabe Davis because if he came out he came out as a junior, he came out this year, saying he would have been a first-round pick. So I think we won that trade all the way around. Well, you know what? It's funny that you bring that up because we obviously we're talking about Peerless Price, and you have when you think about Peerless Price, you have to think about Eric Moats as well, and. Obviously, Brown, Beasley, and Diggs are all, you know, Diggs coming. He's still part of the Smurfs, if you want to call it. He's a smaller, still smaller receiver. Um, bigger than Brown and Beasley, but he's still smaller um, on the smaller side, we should say. If Gabe Davis develops, you have that bigger receiver like Aaron Wilson on the opposite side. Yeah. Meaning you're going to have to put bigger cornerbacks or bigger backs on him. Uh, a lot, assuming that his development goes to continue, and I feel it well, 
that's going to make Stefan Diggs that more more dangerous going forward. Because like I said, we haven't really had John Brown. We haven't had the utilization of John Brown for the better part of the first half of the season with him being injured. And Cole Beasley is just getting healthy again. And yep. we see Cole Beasley reaping all the benefits from the Diggs effect. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that Diggs effect, man, once again, man, it's opened up a lot of different things. We're seeing a lot of different things. It's a very bright future. I'm happy we got him. He's made our offense so much better, man. And we're, we're fortunate to have him, man. And, hey, let's keep this thing going. He's still under contract for four more seasons, I believe. Yeah, three or four. I mean, he's he's under, yeah. he's he's locked in, baby. He's in. He's in. Bean got him. Now, and that's another, that's another part of the deal you have to look, to look at is we didn't get a one year rental. We didn't get somebody we had to give big money to immediately. We got a true number one receiver for number two receiver money because that's what his contract is. And the fourteen million is number is number two receiver money. Okay. Yeah. Um, per year, and we got him signed for the next three years. That's definitely a steal. So. Looking back eight games through, what are you giving the Diggs effect? Give me a grade. What you got? I'm gonna give it an A minus right now. Okay. Uh, there, there were some 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 things I think has still some room for improvement and things we can, you know, we can we can capitalize off more in regards to the Diggs effect. So I'll give it an A minus. I'm comfortable giving it an A minus. Okay. I'm gonna give it just a straight A. Um, I, I agree with you. There are some things to improve on, but I don't think we're gonna see those improvements until we see a healthy John Brown and then a healthy Dawson Knox in the field. And I mean, obviously the first couple of games we saw that, I mean, God, Josh Allen broke all his own record career highs. Yeah. <laughs> literally. Within a matter of those two games, uh, two to three games. But uh, I, I, I'm going to wait to see what Dawson Knox does and what John Brown does. Cause like I said, they're all a part of Diggs effect. And then I also want to see as those guys come back, how the defenses play us and what the effect of the Diggs has on our running game as well. Because at some point, you know, Diggs effect can have a negative effect on the running game because then Brian Devlin wants to come out there and throw the ball 40 times around the yard. Yep. So I, I think we just got to, we got to stick with that running game, but last week was an encouraging sign. So it really was, it really was. So hopefully we can keep that going, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a, you give it a minus, uh, we got eight more games to go. Hopefully, we get everybody back healthy. Everybody's starting to get get ready to go. Then we can move into these playoffs. And I'm already, I'm already clinching our spot. I'm clinching our spot already in week eight. We can go and clinch our spot in these playoffs and uh, have everything full go. And I mean, God knows. I mean, we we get a bye week or anything like that when the AFC East. We have to say the Diggs effect is a, is a success. We year one. Absolutely, absolutely. I I agree. I agree. Let's keep this thing rolling, Buffalo. Stephon Diggs. We glad to have you, buddy. That's it. Hey, man, that's another segment of the Bill's Yak Podcast. Guys, make sure that you're checking us out on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Cold Front Report. Uh, we got a brand new webpage launching, so the podcast is going to be on there that you can find this week. Uh, make sure you're checking out Discover 716. Make sure you're checking out Cold Socks with a new Buffalo by Nature t-shirt. Can't wait to get one of them bad boys. And you see the snowman, Deion Dogger, he was rocking them. And, uh, yeah, guys. This is the uh, Bill's Jack podcast presented by Cold Front Report, powered by Avalon Media Group. Catch you later. We out. The Buffalo Bills.
Shut 